0: Welcome to Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos. I'm an engineer and I work in Silicon Valley. Elio Morillo, Nicole Gonzalez. I'm so excited that you guys are here because... Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah very grateful. You guys are unicorns, essentially. In a way. Both of you. <laughs> both of you. Yeah, Nicole just put an imaginary horn on Elio's head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's was, the that slur. Was because, I mean, we are... Latinos, we're engineers. I'm a woman. You are a woman. (laughs) Well, you're like a triple like unicorn or something, like quadruple. And both of you guys work at NASA at the JPL, at the Jet Propulsion Lab. Famously known for The Martian. Yes.
1: (laughs) For saving Mark Watney. (laughs) Right,
0: right. Bring him home. Bring him home, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I actually have that background in my wallpaper, my computer for almost a year. That's amazing. That's my favorite movie about space.
1: My uh, boss actually has uh, Mark Wahlberg's hands in a concrete slab just hanging out in her office. Because he just toured once and there was like fresh cement. And he just literally just (laughs) put his hands down. And she keeps that in her office. And it's like her most prized possession. It's... Wow. Funny.
0: <laughs> okay. So road trip. I'm going to meet your boss uh, later, later. Yeah. <laughs> She's actually on maternity leave right now. <laughs> oh, well, can I have your work badge just for like 20 minutes? I'll hey, yeah, take a selfie. Shoot, we'll okay. Cool, <laughs> cool, cool. Thanks, man. So there's a lot of things to talk about, but um, I like to give people an idea, an image of exactly what do they, each of you do at JPL? Or the long version, we have time. So, But, you know, what exactly do you do at JPL? Because I know that Nicole, you're an electronics engineer.
2: Yes, that's right. And Uh,
0: uh, you're involved with the Mars 2020 project. Elio, you're a mechanical engineer, but you're like a jack-of-all-trades. I'm a systems testbed engineer. Gotcha. So maybe if both of you can give me an overview of, like, what do you do and, you know, what does it look like, you know? Because a lot of our listeners, you know, they're techies in a sense, but I, I live in Silicon Valley, so we are the spoil techies you know like uh, we all have cubes and dual monitors and we code we have free food and nap rooms and things like that so give us an idea of uh, the privilege yeah yeah (laughs) uh, yeah so sorry guys
2: so i wear two hats I work on Mars 2020 integration and test Mm -hmm. of the motor control electronics. I work in a clean room all day, so I don't have snack privilege. (laughs) I have to de-gown and come out of the lab for just a sip of water. And a potty
0: break, anything.
2: Anything. Yeah,
0: there's no Cheeto dust allowed in the lab.
2: (laughs) It gets a little physically exhausting, to be honest. But I do a very hands-on job, uh, which is test of the hardware. So... Before we can put software on it, before we can integrate this box and have it talk to other boxes, we have to make sure that the hardware itself does what it's supposed to do, that our components won't fail under stress conditions, that the circuits themselves were designed correctly, and that then they were built correctly to the design. So all of those things are kind of nuggets of what I do day to day. I get to interface with software. I get to interface with hardware. I have to improvise a lot on how all these different things are going to talk to each other. So... That's how I get to use a little bit of creativity in my day to day. My other hat is I am a flight electronics designer for Psyche, which is a mission to the Psyche metal asteroid in the asteroid belt, which is believed to maybe be a piece that broke off of an early planet developing that could give us some clues as to how our planet developed. It's the most massive exposed metal core that we can observe, so... We're hoping to learn a lot. We're just going to be orbiting with several instruments. And then from there, uh, determine... Can you
0: land on it? Like, I mean, because it's solid. So, I mean, that's not what this mission is about, right? It's just about Right, no. Observing. We, we want
2: to know what we're working with first before we try okay. to land on it. So generally, our missions start off with an observatory mission. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, ESA recently landed on a comet, the mm. European Space Agency. It's not an easy thing to do. Because, yeah. believe it or not, a lot of these surfaces are very spongy like what i literally mean is like a sponge like you use in your kitchen so like yeah. we
2: is, have an idea is, is, is of how dense is this like is. nitrogen
0: ice basically we have an idea or, of
2: how dense the planet is and what it would take but we're observing from so far away that asteroid, we need to get the asteroids. close right. sorry that's right but it's general yeah. a general statement that until we get close and we figure out what we're working with we can learn a lot more once we start to observe with more advanced instruments and
1: who knows maybe one day someone yeah. decides to prospect and mine like that's in the future who knows it's right. a vision so we'll- Yeah. Building the knowledge base so that that can be done in the future, potentially. That's one of the applications, but so many other things.
0: Yeah. Maybe someday we will all, you know, people will listen to this uh, podcast in the iPhone Psyche made uh, (laughs) out with 100% asteroid belt parts. Yeah. Who knows? That's a possibility for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Nicole. So, what about you, Elio? So, what's your role in JPL? And walk to me through, because you're the space mechanic.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, that's the your, best, the best, uh, your that's handle. So shameless tell me pitch, the space mechanic on Instagram. You can find me and all the pictures of things I do. The best description for my job. If you watch the Martian, that group of engineers that have the test beds and the hardware that is almost one-to-one with what we have on Mars. That is what my lab does. We have test beds, several venues, where we have the rover on a bench, the rover on a desktop, if you will, where we have engineering models and breadboard models of what's actually going to fly so that we can perform system tests and uh, understand the behavior of hardware and software and the interfaces of all of the subsystems to make sure that we discover how to best simulate what's going to happen on Mars How can we test and make sure that we don't find any surprises later on so that we're prepared for all scenarios so that we can respond on Earth appropriately? Because obviously right now we don't have the means to just send a mechanic over and fix the rover. So how can we best prepare ourselves to understand the hardware, its behavior, and if it
0: misbehaves, how do we respond to it? Can you talk to me a little bit about the redundancy aspect of it just to give people an idea of, uh, great, let's say that, you know, well, it's not great, but let's say something breaks in the rover. Like, uh, what kind of mechanisms? What kind of redundancy do you have set in place? To yes. Yeah, so to...
1: most of the hardware on March 2020 is dual redundant. So there's an A string and a B string. So that say if A, if the A say brain, the R, it's called the rover computing element, the RCE. You have we have two of those. If one goes down for whatever reason, the other brain is prepared to take over, and then. There's the brain, then we have this other piece of the system that we lovingly call the lizard brain, which makes sure that the main brain is powered on, and if one of the brain fails, the other one takes over. So there's plenty of redundancy to make sure, not plenty, but there's calculated redundancy to put us on Mars, land safely, perform operations, and do science.
0: Got it. So JPL covers mostly robots, so it's not uh, manned missions. It's uh, robots that explore. That... How does that work?
1: Yeah, the JPL is one of wh- how many NASA centers are we? We're 10, 12, something like that A total. bunch of them. Across the country, JPL is... Um, Officially, a federally funded research and development center. Yeah, That's what that it is. FFRDC. There you go. Yeah, it's like, mm, um, how do we get paid? Mm, yeah, so think. Okay. NASA funds us, Caltech <laughs> manages us. So we're not public servants. We're actually Caltech employees, but all of our projects are funded by NASA, and hence we follow the NASA design paradigms. JPL is the robotic space exploration hub, if you will. Other NASA centers also contribute. But we are the main one for the most part. Human exploration is performed by
2: anything uh, robotic. Houston, it, we're pro- we probably have our hands in it for sure. Some, yeah. If, it, if point, it has a NASA stamp yeah.
1: on it, it JPL is definitely involved in, in, right. in, in that process. Got it. Got it. So, so you don't
0: have to worry about life support systems or. You know, making sure that the astronaut had space to live in. You don't have to worry about those things. Right. No. Uh, we, we so your job is pretty straightforward then. must be releasing. Oh, huh? yeah, yeah. Right, right,
1: right. <laughs> <They know laughs> a ro- yeah. uh, robot to explore. It's so a chamber. little harder to ask a robot,
2: what's wrong with you? Why aren't you working? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It sounds like talking to like a two-year-old. Yeah. What's like hurting?
2: Except- it's a very different mentality behind the design. Yeah. We, totally we, different challenges. We
1: get to define how that two-year-old talks to us. Right. Right. From the ground up, which is the cool thing about it. So there, there's plenty of genius. And that comes from
2: the electronics design. Yeah. And then the software that we're going to put onto it and how all of these systems then come together and, and form the language that the robot will speak and how, do how it will carry out its tasks mm-hmm. and present its research.
0: So you can make sure that, you know, when the robot, you know, is hanging out with the right robot crowd. And right, they have, we, got, uh, we have full control. Yeah, yeah. Some parents want to talk to you right uh, after this podcast. Uh, <laughs> how can I do that with my kid, you know? Yeah, uh, feel free to contact. Yeah, that sounds me like... <laughs> That'd a, be a new field for us. Uh, yeah, it'd be like, a mijo, I don't like your robot friend too much. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So then, you know, the reason why I wanted to have this conversation and you work at NASA JPL, but, you know... You're both Boricuas, you know, from Puerto Rico. And uh, you work very closely and have family in the island still. So I want to ask you very bluntly, how's the island?
1: In the most blunt of terms, it is <laughs> fucked up. Um, there yeah. are, There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work um, to be done. A lot
2: done, but a lot more to There's go. A lot of
1: yeah. people don't necessarily recognize that we have American citizens, that they don't have daily supply of power. What you and I take for granted here you know, our Wi-Fi, our power, our water supply, that we, you know, we can just go to our fridge and grab some clean water. We can just plug in our phones to the wall and we're going to get charge on our batteries. You know, we can just go on our Facebook at any moment and just update, give an update, give a status. People don't have that on a daily basis. You know, we, you and I actually, even, even more fundamental, you and I go to school, and you know, there's a bathroom there we can go use. A lot of times, right. right now, a lot of these students can't even go to the bathroom in their own schools because they're broken. Um, so they got to go walk home. Their schools don't have power. They're running extension cords from other buildings. And you Traffic don't necessarily lots. hear about yeah. all of
2: this because for a lot of people, this is just what the day to day looks like. And yeah. we're going to move forward, and we're going to we're going to focus on the problems that we have today, not about right. not about ex- complaining or about wondering what somebody else has, we're going to focus on the challenges that we have right in front of us. Right. There's plenty to do.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's it's it's maybe, part of that, uh, you know, a Latin mentality of that, you know, don't complain, keep your head down, be grateful for what you got. It is. And, you know, that's good in some way, you know, in the sense, gratefulness is good. But then when it comes to basic life necessities, you know, like, uh, I don't think you should conform. I think you should, you know, go to the top of a mountain and scream, hey, right. guys, we haven't had power, reliable power for one year.
2: Yeah, that, that is how the conversation happens. You drive through the island, you drive right down the middle, and you're going to see people painted on signs outside their homes, 300 days without power. Es impresionante. But that's the reality uh, for some people, and a lot of communities still have a really, really long way to go in recovery. So there's a whole spectrum of how we're doing uh, that we can't necessarily talk about in a couple minutes. Of course. Also
1: to recognize, and I see a lot of this in an online forum, people start saying, oh yeah, we've already sent help, right? Somehow they forget that there's people on the ground that are suffering day to day and assume that the institutions in place Already, just like okay, we've sent enough help. They should be able to handle it. Like that's it. Like why are we sending more help? It's it's not quite as simple. There's history behind it. So how we are where we are today, and here's where some of my beliefs are going to come out. But this idea of uh, vulture capitalism that has occurred over mm-hmm. so many years in the island has drastically affected day to day. That locally, the Puerto Rico
0: bonds, the, oh, the, the, buns, the yeah, debt yeah. that's
1: being sold for cheaper prices yeah, and oh, yeah. it's all blame it all on the people. It's not quite that simple. And we forget then that there's people day to day that are constantly, they may not seeing a suffering, but they are resilient and they move on with what they have, which is amazing to see. But at the same time, we cannot under our system, be complacent to American citizens living in such a fashion?
2: A lot of the mentality is we have to help ourselves. We're going to fix this for ourselves. And so all of us who are listening, like we have to do what we can and, and what we feel empowered to do because every little bit counts. And so that's that's really what we set out to do this summer. Yeah.
0: Let's switch gears a bit. Oh, can you tell me a bit more into detail about what exactly... Did you guys do in Puerto Rico and the volunteering that you did about teaching kids STEM?
2: So maybe first we can talk about our motivations for how this project was born. There's a lot of creativity that comes out of having limited resources. Uh, You learn to work with what you've got and you use basic materials and you can create something new. You can solve your own problems. It's very empowering. And that type of mentality already exists, but we want to tap into that creative energy and empower people to to create their own local solutions, to be able to develop technical solutions for their communities that can then grow. We want to teach people how to develop the solutions. We don't want to give it to them.
0: So teach them how to fish.
2: Pretty much. And I think,
1: you know, there's so much we can do from outside. So we we were part of the whole movement. We helped where we could. We, we sent, you know, basic necessity goods I couldn't Um, talk to
2: my family for days. So you kind of cope by, okay, well, we can collect donations over here. We can try to work with the people that we do here, what they need. You just start doing when you feel like you are powerless.
1: Yeah. And then at the same time, we we recognize what Nicole just said. And we wanted to tap into that culture of creativity and um, being resilient, right? So... There are other people on the ground doing this. We're not we're by no means like Honestly this wouldn't be possible the
2: without the people that are already on the ground.
1: Exactly. But we wanted to understand firsthand how do people go about programs like this and how can we Inspire students to pursue or young people to pursue STEM careers and then STEM solutions, right? To be engineers, uh, to yeah. create
2: your own solutions.
1: With what you have.
2: Right. right. To utilize technology and then apply it to the problems of your community that you understand best. You're very
1: limited resources, right? Right.
0: right. And, and to give some context, because you guys are both NASA engineers and you're basically taking out of your personal vacation time. Time to fly over to Puerto Rico and connect with these communities. And, you know, maybe you can give me some names of people and the organizations down there as well. And basically just for free, teach kids that are 8 to 14 years old about STEM, about rocket, building rockets, building, you know, different projects on STEM. So, so, so that's, that's amazing. First man. of that's, all,
1: we tagged along we found mm-hmm. a teacher uh, her name Marisa Rojas and a, a you know a grassroots community project called Sinergia Los Naranjos where we were basically able to tap into their very limited resources and have a space for us to share what we know about STEM our project at the time what we just did a month a month and a month and a half ago or so 3 days is what we had to you know to engage these this range of students from eight to 14 year old, like what can we teach them about the design process? Day one was an introduction to robotics. Day That's two awesome. was sustainable energy. Day three was uh, space exploration and recognizing that by the time we left, they wouldn't have, you know, expertise or resources to continue complex projects. We attempted to build projects and workshops with, things that they can just go tap into at the local store. Our goal was not to find
2: kits that then we could bring with us. A, they're more expensive, and we Mm -hmm. were working with limited resources, with donations and our own funds. And B, we wanted to make these kits accessible to them. So we used really simple materials, straws, cardboard, Mm -hmm. whatever we could think of that was cheap and that they would continue to see around them. We wanted to use that to the most extent in our materials list because – We were making these projects really hands-on to show them a first glimpse into what these fields look like. And also we want them to take away a mentality of, okay, I created this simple thing with these simple materials. Now let me try to build something a little bit more complex using these same materials. Now that I have a little bit more understanding. Right.
1: At the same time, being conscious of first principles, we wanted to portray the technical fundamentals that we know, which is another
2: really important part of keeping these projects relatively simple.
0: And I think that's one of the reasons why you guys bring a very unique perspective, because you guys work at NASA, and you guys are so used to already to working with uh, limited resources. and the fact that: but very
2: complex systems.: Very complex <laughs> systems,
0: very complex granite, granite, but also the thing that you build is way out there, and you can't touch it after you launch it. So you have to make sure that it works remotely. So I think that you guys are perfect. Like It always reminded me, and I've told you this like uh, three or four times before, so sorry for saying it again. It reminds me a lot of that Apollo 13 movie where the... Is one based of, on the real Apollo 13. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that, yeah, like maybe the younger generation doesn't know that. That, you know, like their air uh, filtering system broke while they were out in space. And the engineers in Houston basically just had to go to a table and put all the things that the astronauts had inside the module. Okay, guys, this is what they've got to work with. We need to fix the problem with the tools we have here at this table. Nothing um, else. They can't go to the hardware store. There's no Amazon delivery to space yet. <laughs> so, so that's why I think you guys bring a very unique perspective. So, can you give me more detail into the classes? Like you mentioned like the 3-day split and you know, what kind of projects, what what kind of things are you building with these kids?
2: So, day 1 was focused on fundamentals of what is robotics? What is a robot? What is a prototype? And like a first introduction into really simple things that we might not think about, but these are kids for the first time interfacing with something like a hot glue gun and the materials that we're going to give them and building something following some basic instructions. We wanted to just give them the first hands in the project. And I will give
1: credit, a lot of credit to our curriculum. We took some NASA, these are prepared, which everybody can look up, NASA education curriculum for teachers, and we took them and simplified them as best we could. To and translated some. And translated. That was the- That was a big the challenge. Tough, Yeah. The tough part yeah. is realizing also that we're basically freshmen at this point in technical Spanish- <laughs> Because it was just very difficult, and then we had to go and reteach ourselves. It's, a humbling, it's yeah. a humbling experience. It's a humbling experience. Definitely sure. it was. Yeah, um, I
0: mean, I went to school in Florida, so I remember doing my homework like, uh, sí, mira, porque agarras el operational amplifier y después derivas el transfer function. Yeah, I feel you.
1: Yeah, it's very difficult to teach technical terms in another language. Mm-hmm. We're fluent in Spanish, but in you know, conversation like what well, we did, we read whatever. Yeah, technical Spanish is. Its own monster, and, and then mind. and then
2: how <laughs> to portray too, that right? to kids for the first time being exposed to this material is its own challenge. Yeah. So yeah. We we're dealing with a lot of different variables. Exactly, it was an exactly. exciting adventure.
1: Yeah, huge respect to teachers all over the world. Like they are, you know, the pillars of society. Like teachers are <laughs> the most
0: important job.
1: It's it's amazing what they do. We should pay them more. Pay them more. Whoever's <laughs> listening out there, yeah,
0: pay them hazard pay. You know, yeah, for- yeah,
1: yeah. They they deserve way more than what they actually get.
2: Day 2 focused on sustainability. Uh, we built electric cars and wind turbines. So that There was, was a lot of wind,
0: which was great. Yeah. Nice.
2: This community um, is really focused on, on understanding sustainable energy and how can they build that into their actual community center? Where uh, in Puerto Rico is this? This is in Vega Baja. Yeah.
0: Vega Baja. It's
1: in yeah. a little community called Los Naranjos.
2: Right. This is the, the program to the, the Northern place. part
1: of the island. The program took place
2: in a closed-down school that was given over to some teachers that wanted to start a community program that wanted to create a community center, turn it into something that that the locals could use and grow businesses out of.
0: Reusing the space, reusing yeah. the space, and making sure that you know it is a teaching center. It's, a, it's something for the community, yeah. So they can people can get together and do their. Whatever they want. It belongs to them. It belongs to them. Yeah, it belongs to them.
1: them. So like Fridays, they'll set up movies. They
0: have some projectors. It's a community center. It is. It's it's, it's,
1: And it's great. And they they host workshops as well for people like us to kind of step in and talk about different topics.
0: And you can come in and teach them to launch rockets. Well, that's day three. That's day three. We'll
1: talk about that in a bit.
0: Gotcha. Um, But their
2: vision is for it to be solar powered, to have its own water system, to create a sustainable garden. It's a beautiful vision for it to grow with the community and stand on its own at the same yeah. time.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. they're growing little herbs that they're hoping to use in like, the plates they cook and whatnot, which is awesome.
0: You told me a story when we're doing the Spanish version of, of this podcast about Marisa and what Marisa. she did to... La Guerrera. So, la Guerrera, la, la, la Generala. Warrior. Yeah, yeah. Let's pay some homage to Marisa because uh, tell me that story again about uh, how she got that school.
1: Yeah, so she it was like Nicole mentioned it was an abandoned school that she and a few others decided to take over and have it community driven and rebuild it. Um and they started doing that and they you know they, the school had been pretty destroyed because of the hurricanes and it had just been abandoned, right? So they you know redid windows, redid the ceilings, did a lot of rebuilding of the infrastructure itself. There's uh, a
2: playground. There's a
1: playground exactly and they're using all kinds of materials for it. And you know they, they finished and then they decided to go on a two week break from that school. you know this is granted. this is Marisa's side job like she's a full-time teacher at another school. This is what they do during um, their summer. this yeah, so you know they did this as
0: their free time. And so whoever's listening and says that they don't have enough time yeah. to do yeah. get stuff done <laughs>
1: <laughs> stop make time. Stop
0: lying to yourself yes yeah. make the make time. time.
1: Whatever you believe in,
0: and you yeah. prioritize, you can make time. You don't for have to
2: it. know what you're doing. Yeah. Nobody does. We didn't.
0: Right. Is we that, still don't. <laughs> is, is that Gary Vee mentality? Is that sleep one hour less? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and use it for your side hustle. That's yeah. it. That's it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, she goes on this two week break. They come back, and the school had been sacked. Like gutted. Completely gutted. They had taken ceiling, walls, doors, brick doors, windows, windows, everything. And then she. We have
2: know, this cement skeleton yeah. just sitting there.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And so. The community knew who had done it. So Marisa being the worry that she is, she's like, okay, I'm going to go to that person's home. What? And (laughs) she knocks on their door, finds out exactly who it was. She also recognizes like that. So it's this little local gang, if you will. And the gang leader his his kids were also failing in school. You know, she's a teacher, so she recognizes that, you know, they're failing in school.
2: All right. She's going to get to the root of the problem.
1: Yeah. So, all right, here we go. I will tutor your kids. I will make sure this doesn't happen to them again for free. And you and your minions are going to rebuild the school.
2: Clean up the mess that you left me here.
1: And she ends up getting this, you know gang to basically rebuild the school, get it back to where it was. There's a lot
2: of volunteer groups also involved in in restoring, but at least undo the damage that you did. Undo
1: the damage, bring it back up, and... Now, at this point, they even protect the place. So no one will mess with, uh, with the school ever again, which is <laughs> kind of so, funny. Somebody
0: needs to make a movie about Marisa. Dude, no, that's that's right. like, like, the like,
2: definition of community buy-in, when yeah. you get the gang I'm, to protect, right?
0: Talk about, I mean, Stand and Deliver. Like, we have all those movies, about, like the, the Cholos, you know, yeah. like, turning this around. This is
2: what it takes to get it done.
0: But, yeah, I mean, it's like Dirty Harry, but nobody got killed. Nobody got killed. And, I mean, uh, I mean mm-hmm. well, only Ignorance was killed. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, Yes, like one of those cheesy things but dude like she's amazing she's amazing like, like, she's amazing okay I feel like going to Puerto Rico and recording her like, yeah, like yeah. and then her, and then and her, her
1: husband is like rebuilding uh, reefs he has all he's an permits. engineer
2: a scientist yeah incredibly educated and really passionate about the work that
1: he he, does he organizes he writes grant like grant proposals he gets grants he he brings students
2: from this community uh from the senior hia program and he takes them and their apprentices in his work also with the restoration of the reefs yeah so it's really beautiful how they connect all of these different grassroots organizations Mm -hmm. to really passionate people that are doing
0: some incredible work that's fantastic i mean it's uh, a huge model for sure no, it sounds amazing. It's like, is that you like, transfer of knowledge, mm-hmm. that structure of, uh, yeah, because it's uh, an apprenticeship. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, you don't need to go to college to learn some of these things. Like, it's just like, you're basically my intern for this summer. Yeah. And but I will also... teach you everything I know. Right. And I will help you mm-hmm. become a productive member of this community. Of oh, this community. Exactly. Solving the problems that we face every day.
2: Right. Or to go out, get educated, and come back and bring that to solve the problems in your community. You have the opportunity to go out and stay out. Or to turn around and say, I now feel empowered to solve these problems that I know the best because it's my own community.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Nobody gave me the fish. They taught me how to fish. Yeah. Right. So that's, it was beautiful, beautiful to be a part of that. Yeah. Honestly, that's,
1: that was what happened. We were a part of their effort. We that's had an awesome. idea
2: and they empowered us to be yeah. able to actually carry that through. By... And
0: execute it. And... Right. Exactly. That's great stuff, guys. So what's the next step? Like, where do you guys see this project going? I mean, I'm sure you guys want to go again, but do you see this happening next year? What's the next step? It'll definitely happen
1: again. We also intend to scale, but more importantly, developing the means to make this sustainable. So, right. So we showed up. We talked about engineering. We um, learned
2: a lot about what we designed wrong. We exactly, adjusted so, on the job.
1: So that was a huge part of it is to go learn how, how do you actually do this? Like we're not teachers by
2: training. Right. Well. My
0: mom was a teacher. but We've that's done a lot of mentoring,
2: yeah. tutoring, yeah. but that only goes so long before exactly. you have to learn on the job.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with kids and their attention spans. Right. And, right. and how old are these kids that you're They teaching? were from the... Eight this particular 14. group was between 8 and 13, 14.
2: Yeah. But oh, our goal is not right. to be the educators so much as the inspirers
1: yeah we'll we're not teachers
2: and teachers have an incredible role and we're in no way going to be able to replace what that looks like but we can at least spark some interest in hands-on and getting your hands in it and creating a solution yeah. that's the first step so of now, getting inspired to become an engineer so now
1: how do we keep that going throughout the year right and there there are several means for that and we we have connections to do that And now we just have to go and Execute. It's get the local ship chapters, Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers for those other grassroots
2: organizations, other grassroots
1: organizations. How do we get them to show up to the school and continue showing, you know, what is engineering and how do you use your creativity to build solutions for? We want to
2: create more relevant curriculum, more projects, maybe get into agriculture, sustainable gardens, the water projects. Any other grassroots organizations, how can we then create maybe a connection to the material that we're teaching and establish that connection of apprenticeship? Because that seems like a very effective method right. of keeping the kids engaged then throughout the year.
1: And we built our materials for what we just executed so that it can be easily replicated. So that's that's the idea is next year, okay, we, we have this, you know, this one place where we started, but how can we get two, three more places to do the same thing? Right. Um, we have
2: the modularity of the modules themselves of the curriculum for each activity. It starts with a foundation and then the hands-on project and, okay, what did we learn? How can we apply that to the next one? So we can scale the days. We can grow this to another community. They can adjust the level of maybe foundation that you have to come in
0: with. I see this a lot, like uh, almost the IKEA instructions. <laughs> a yeah. little bit. In the sense that yeah. you need to make them transparent yeah. and simple yet useful enough that anybody can follow them Mm -hmm. to build these kits, these models. Right. Because, you know, sharing that knowledge online, even if, uh, hey, listen, maybe you don't have Wi-Fi, you don't have electricity, okay, we'll send you a package with the printed instructions so you can... And here
2: are all the materials right around you that you just pick up and Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. make this project.
1: exactly. I think one of the biggest challenges too that we face is... There is a lot of content out there for this, but not in Spanish. So And not
2: necessarily at the education level that exactly. we want. Exactly.
1: So a lot of it was us trying to convert that and seeing what can
0: we keep relevant to this age group. Right. So it's curating the material, right. curating was the a material, huge part of it. making sure that it's at the right level,
2: accessible, repeatable.
0: Right. It's all part of it. Yeah. Any stories from that week that you guys were out there that you feel like sharing anything like like that's that. funny.
1: So let me talk about the third day. I think the third day is like one of the gotcha. funniest stories. You're, I mean, you're a rocket guy, so tell yeah, me so, about rockets. So the third day was focused around space exploration. One of the first exercises we did is I actually, I took one of these NASA projects that scales the solar system on a, on toilet paper and just showed them the vastness of our solar system. So that's how we started the day. Then we went on to build a satellite model with all the little subsystems, and they use pins and stickers. And
2: for a visual, this turns into a little module they can hang in their room. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Tell it. To, you were delegating panels. your work from NASA to them. Of that's course. What you were that's doing? <laughs> I was the... trying to build my own minions. It was that's a really wow. what I was okay. trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Hey guys, come back with me to LA. <laughs> I need interns <laughs> for the summer. I'll give you my work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we did, and then the last project we did was a rocket, a bottle rocket, water powered. Pressure is really what we use to to launch these things and they
2: trash bag parachutes. yeah so they built little parachutes <laughs> on them
1: they had cardboard fins right and made them decorate them made them with soda bottles and I had this launcher that I had bought before brought it along with me and then we used that to run oh we explained launch.
2: that building your own launcher wouldn't be that far off either yeah so. exactly
1: it's not it's adaptable we made their rockets adaptable enough so right. that they could just build a launcher and like they could just launch. You know, we went through the whole day of it and the rocket launch was like the main event, right? This is the last thing we're going to do before we all go home and say in part ways. So when we go to launch these rockets, we're, we're walking about maybe quarter mile to this uh, open field where we can launch this safely. Cause our rocket was launched, it launched up to like 300 feet. Like it, these things fly, right? It was amazing to do that and see there's, there you know, it all varied. Everybody, depending on their quality of little rockets launched up or not, it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But they still all launch, which is great. So we're walking, we're getting there. You know, as we're walking there and setting up, I'm here trying to make sure everybody's paying attention. Because it is somewhat hazardous if this thing launches. I have and all like, the
2: kids screaming.
1: Yeah, if this, like, launches in the wrong direction or, like, falls on someone, it's going to hurt you, for right. sure. No matter what. They are bottle rockets like soda bottles, but they will hurt you. So we're setting up and I'm trying to make sure everybody's conscious and paying attention for safety, for safety purposes. But as we're preparing to launch, all of a sudden to like my left, and there's video of this and like, you'll see this in our website. It's hilarious. Like to my left, all of a sudden it's like, there's a like this little pack of dogs chasing after a pig and it's like straight out of a cartoon. (laughs) And I'm like, this is really happening. And I'm just like, kids
2: are screaming. And I'm like, like, I don't know what to do.
1: I'm like, rocket. Look at my rocket. Like, don't look over there. And then to my right off to the far distance, literally horses are fighting. And I'm just like, what? How is all of this where happening? Am I? It was where a very humbling
2: reminder of where we are, despite the projects that yeah. we were working on. I was like, "This is
1: uh, Animal Planet!" All of a sudden, like, <laughs> how do we refocus over here on our rockets? And it was, it was hilarious. And like, we have video footage of it, and then all the launches happened. It was hilarious. Like, it was great. But that was one of the funny stories for sure on the third day.
0: <laughs> no, that, that it,
1: this
2: is the funny, funny story of what happens. But we had reminders all week that we're doing these engineering projects, but. We're grounded in the space that we're in. We were running an extension cord from the building next door to be able to have an industrial fan on all day for this classroom. It was hot, very hot. it was hot. We had no electricity to turn on the projector and show videos without this. Kids, like, we didn't have
1: any usable bathrooms, which is what I was talking about earlier, right? So right. the kids have to walk home to go to the bathroom or go to the closest door, which is We drove to the gas station mile. close by. It was right by that field, Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was an enormous challenge. And then going going home, quote-unquote home afterwards, we didn't have power at home for two of the nights. Right. So, we had to make sure We had an idea of prepared. what the
2: work we could get done to plan for the next day. But without yeah. power, that became also its we were own challenge. We using candles
1: to, like, finish up our models for the next day and be prepared. And it was a challenge, you know, by itself. And, you know, granted, this was in a well-off community where we were staying and they didn't mm-hmm. have power. So, we can only extrapolate what's happening in you know the low resource communities like the one we're visiting throughout mm-hmm. the day how they're living their day to day so it was it was eye-opening it was, it was different obviously to, a lot one of context to hear it.
2: for what we're working on yeah
1: it was one thing hearing about it through the and, news and living it Facebook, you know living it and actually we're down there and living the- it right but you know even so we we got to leave and come back to our very comfortable los angeles
2: right
1: you know over there they're still going through this to this day Right. Marisa's still there. Marisa's still there. Marisa's
2: still there. Our families are still repeating the stories of what they lived and what they continue to live. Mm -hmm. And there's still a lot of work to be done. It's a new context for everything Puerto Rico is the hurricane. It's like an eye-opening reminder of what's been lived and that this is now just a new reality going forward is this existence, the way that things are. I think that for a lot of people, it changed the way that they talk about the things that happen day to day.
1: And, you know, and us on the mainland to recognize- It
2: connected everybody
1: together. What we have been doing to our territories, right? Like we have four U.S. territories, a lot of people don't know that, where we have U.S. citizens living on, but we treat them as second class citizens. And uh, there's a lot of work to be done. You know, we have to realize, and like we were talking about this earlier, it's that Our nation sparked from the whole idea of taxation without representation, yet we have four U.S. territories, Puerto Rico being one of the larger ones, which has a population larger than something like 17 of the actual U.S. states, right? How are we allowing this to happen? So there's a lot of work to be done. Politics do become involved because of that. We're not saying we're going to step in in politics. We're doing a grassroots movement, but there's still a lot of work to be done. The government has a lot of work to do.
2: Everybody's background can contribute to the solution. Exactly. So we're doing exactly. we're doing what we know how to do best, which exactly.
0: is the science part of it.
2: Get your hands in it and build something. And this exactly. program is is what we're trying to build. Yeah. In this case, right.
0: reminds me of that JPL website. The first thing that you see, above all, we are made up of explorers
1: and dare mighty things,
2: right? You can explore outside or you can explore with what you have right in front of you. How can, we, how can we rethink what we have around us and create something new and innovate within our own spaces and create new solutions for ourselves?
0: Amazing. Thank you. Where can we find you? People that want to help with money, with time, sharing with their community. Where can we find you? Where so can you, can, we find you can
2: see pictures and learn more about our story at this program at stemcoqui.org. So that's S-T-E-M. C O Q U I dot org.
0: Gotcha. We'll add that to the show notes as well. It's awesome. Well, thank you guys for all this work you do. For sure. Uh, contact
1: us on also LinkedIn, Instagram. You That's, can email us, email us, us. at
2: stemcooky at gmail.com Got it. as well. We'll add
0: that to the notes <laughs> so people can can stay in touch. This is not gonna be your last podcast, by the way, but <laughs> any any <laughs> parting words that you wanna say, like for the people listening, the young professionals that are listening to this, the people that you want to reach any parting messages? For sure. And
1: from my behalf, I think one of the examples we are definitely trying to set, especially with people our age, is that if there's any kind of cause you're passionate about outside of your day to day, we recognize you guys have full time jobs. But there's still always this something that may be poking your interest or something you want to go help some community you want to provide some kind of assistance for. It's all a matter of you just taking the time to plan it out and executing. Even if you make mistakes along the way, you can't, you won't always do a perfect job the first time, but just go ahead and make the time to plan things out, execute them and bring people along the ride because all of us here, like none of us, no one is self-made. All of us at some point had somebody hold our hands, help us come up to where we are today recognize your backgrounds that is probably especially on the audience you know we all come from different backgrounds we didn't do this alone keep that up like the only way we're going to keep up our communities is by making sure that we keep bringing people along the ride
2: i think just remember where you came from remember what got you here and and all the work that still is to come you might feel like you don't have all the tools that you need to solve the problems that you really care about but Honestly, what you have around you is probably the best thing that you're gonna get. So work with what you've got and and get creative because little by little we're trying to figure it out. And together we can do so much more than if we try to find the perfect materials, the f- perfect resources. We're just we're trying to connect people, just like your podcast does. Google. So if you have something to offer, please Don't. reach out. We yeah. would love to hear from you, whatever you can bring forward
0: yeah don't wait yeah don't don't be complacent it's never gonna be the perfect time so now's the best time
1: now is the best time
0: Elio Murillo Nicole Gonzalez thank you so much
1: thank you for having us